You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We're talking about pursuing God, but to really pursue God, we got to break free from the past. We got to we got to get past those things that hold us back. Today I want to talk about I want to talk about the labels that are put on us, those labels that other people give us, maybe our family of origin lays on us, those those negative things that we embrace that begin to become our identity. And those I, those identities, those negative labels are the things that hold us back. It's like 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 your shoes being glued to the floor and you can't move forward. That's what those labels are like. When you have a negative label, when you have a self-image, an idea of who you are that's self-limiting, it's like your feet are planted or glued with super glue to the floor and you just can't move. And, and they can't move forward in our relationships with other people. We can't move forward in our careers. We can't move forward in our education. We can't move forward in friendships. And so often we can't move forward in our faith because we just can't believe that God would want that for us. So I want to talk about that today. But let's just throw out the idea of labels. I want to say a name, and you tell me the label that goes with the name, all right? At the mills, I want you to hear you shout it all the way down here in Oakmont. Attila the? All right. Winnie the? Buffy the? Conan the? Alexander the? Billy the? All right. Good job. Good job. You know, it would be nice if everybody's labels were endearing, wouldn't it? If they were uplifting. But unfortunately, we carry around a lot of negative labels. Loser. You're, you're, you're stupid. You're fat. Clumsy. Ugly. Slow. You're a geek. You're a hothead. You're a doormat. You're weak. You're poor. We could go on and on and on and talk about all the negative labels, and I think every one of us has them. We all carry them. We get pinned on them, as I said, from our early childhood experiences, perhaps. Maybe just those subtle messages that we don't even know until we get older that they were given to us by our parents because they have their insecurities. They pass their insecurities on down to us. We absorb those insecurities. We pass them on down. And, and so we get labeled with these, with these things, you know, when I, when I was a kid, um, I've told you so many times, I had an older brother. Athletics was really the big value in my family. My dad was an athlete. He expected his boys to be great athletes. I was born 10 and a half months after my brother. He used to steal my bottle, so he was much stronger than me, <laughs> much bigger than me. And, you know, they look at, at Bob and Eliza's kids, and Joe was the captain of the football team. He was the star baseball player, starter on the basketball team. And then there was Billy, you know, Billy, the little one, the skinny one. I tried hard. I fought, my, and I had a hot temper because I had to prove myself. When I graduated high school, I was as tall as I am now and weighed about 140 pounds soaking wet. So, and I'm playing, you know, football, basketball, trying to do that. But, um, and, and so I was always the skinny one. Now, many of you are saying, oh, poor Billy, the skinny one. He never, I had a weight problem. I had a weight issue. It was just, I couldn't put on weight. You know, I, we didn't have the, 
all those things you can take now to build muscles. In fact, I would scan the Mad Magazine advertises in the back, you know, where they'd show the skinny kid getting kicked in sand by the big muscle man, and you could be a muscle man too. I'd say, oh, could I get whatever they're selling to make me one of those muscle men? That was, I always felt that, and then I had a, a serious head injury when I was about 10 years old, 12 years old, and um, uh, uh, had a serious brain concussion. Uh, was always, I was the skinny one, but I was always the smart one too. Well, then after being in a coma for a week and being in a hospital for a month and missing a lot of school and coming back to school, not being as sharp, a few steps behind, I just want you to know that what you see now, I have half my brain tied behind my back. You should have known me then. But, but the fact of the matter is, I've always felt like I was the damaged one. And it held me back from believing that I could still excel. And I think it kept me in my junior high and senior high years from applying myself the way I could have. And I didn't realize till later on that a lot of that was my own thinking. So I want to ask you the question, what is the label that goes with your name? All right, Rick the blank. All right, what, what are the labels that you put on, put on yourself? Palma the blank, you know? Tony the blank. What, what, what would be the label that you have carried around from your childhood or from your early experiences or your work that you're carrying around? You know, it might be just the idea that, you know, I, I'm no good. Nobody will love me. I can't win. I, I, I just don't have what it takes. You know, I, my family's dysfunctional. I'm dysfunctional. It's just the way it is. I just, I can't do it. In, in, in the coaching world, the leadership coaching world, this is called self-limiting beliefs. The beliefs that we hold dear, that are core to us, that limit us from moving forward in life. These self-limiting beliefs. And uh, in the preaching world, it's called stinking thinking. And, 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 and I want to address those ideas today. So I've been praying. I've been praying. I want the Holy Spirit today to do a miracle in people's lives. And, and, and not because I can do anything, but because I want people to just believe what God believes in them. And I want people to tear off some of those old labels and say, God, what is it that I can get from you? And, and what is it that you believe for me? So, so what is it? What if you were able to shed those labels and embrace a new label? Because what God wants to do is replace those self-limiting beliefs with empowering beliefs, empowering labels. And here's one empowering belief that I challenge you to hold on to. God's power is greater than your past. I want you to say that with me right now. God's power is greater than my past. God's power is greater than my past. I don't care where I've been. I don't care the label you've been, you've been given. Whatever it is that has you seeing yourself that way, God's power is greater than that that's been holding you back. God's truth is for you is truer than the truths that you have believed. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. God wants to replace those self-limiting labels with empowering beliefs. And so let's take a look at Scripture because I think that's where we need to find the truth, right? Let's take a look at Scripture. And the first thing I want to talk about is that God wants to transform your thinking. You remember when Paul wrote 
in, in Romans that, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. But the text I want us to look at is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And uh, if you have your Bible turned there, if you have your, your uh, Uversion app or the live event app on your phone, turn there and uh, you'll see some scriptures there as we follow along. Always encourage you to write these scriptures down, to remember them and to, uh, to let this uh, sink in after today so you don't forget what God's been doing in your life here. So here's the thing. Notice what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. It says, Christ's love compels us. Paul writing to the Corinthian believers here. And he says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we will have, that all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Note note the big point here. What I believe makes all the difference. What are the empowering beliefs in that passage right there? First of all, he says... um, You know, since we believe, he goes on and says, we also believe. What is it that we believe? Number one, Christ died for everyone. Does that mean that everyone's a believer? No, but everyone has the the grace of Christ available to them to believe. And if they would believe, then Christ could change their life. So the empowering belief is that Christ died for everyone. And if Christ died for those who believe in that, we have died to our old life. That's the empowering belief. I've died to the old self. That old label, that old me, that's gone. That's past. That's forgotten. That is an empowering belief, and we need to get that in our heads. And the other empowering belief here is that those who receive new life no longer live for themselves, but they live for Christ. They live for Christ. It's not about me any longer. It's about those things that we talked about. God has a plan, a purpose for me. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But notice what he goes on to say here. And in the next verse, he says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. In other words, we, you know, Paul thought of Christ as just another rebel, rabble rouser before he became a believer. He was just another troublemaker. He was just another you know, political ideologue that wanted to create problems in Jerusalem. We need to stamp these out. We need to get these people and put a lid on them. Then when he found out and he met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus in a whole different way and said, now we know the resurrected Christ. It has to change the way we think. We stopped labeling Christ that way. And now because of the vision, the eyes that Christ has given us, we look at everybody else differently. I don't judge somebody else anymore by the clothes they wear, by the money they make, by the title behind their name. I judge everybody the same. Everybody, we're all sinners, so in that way, we're all equal. If you want a negative label, that's the negative label. I'm a sinner, but the label that God wants to replace that with is I'm forgiven. I am loved. I'm a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. I don't have to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. I can be made new. Notice he goes on and he says, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has become. I mean, 
Folks, we've got to get this. What part of I am a new person, the old is gone, a new life has begun, do you not understand? Seriously. What part of that is not clear to us? That is an empowering belief. And that empowering belief has to replace the limiting beliefs that keep going around in your mind and around in your heart that you aren't worthy, that you're not good enough, that you are damaged goods, that you are failure, that whatever it is that you want to attach to who you are, I want you to know that that's not the label that God has for you. And he says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer what? Counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The empowering belief God no longer counts your sins against you. God no longer considers you that you are that person that others have put pinned on you and that you have absorbed in your own thinking those negative labels that you've embraced. The idea here is that when God, what God believes about me changes everything. What I believe makes all the difference. What God believes about me changes everything. Of all the labels that I've worn, it is that label that God gives me that counts. It's that one that I need to embrace. That's why you hear me say over and over and over again, on my tombstone, I want these words, the one who knows you best loves you the most. That's it. If I could summarize everything I ever said in my ministry, it's simply that. The one who knows everything about you, all the dirt, all the ugliness, all the things that you would die if anybody else saw. God who knows all that about you, loves you more than anybody else could love you. That is the miracle of grace. And folks, that's the empowering belief to help you to get past your past. Notice that God wants to give you a new name. In fact, you'll notice uh, Isaiah chapter 62 verse 2 says, you'll be given a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow upon you. In Revelation, several places in Revelation talks about in heaven, there's a new name, a new stone. God will give you a new name. In heaven, you're going to have a whole new identity. I love that. There's there's an old revival song that goes... uh, There's a new name written down in glory. You know that? And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Let's all sing it together. No, we don't. Please, 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 please don't. Why is it that Catholic children are given a new name at confirmation? It's because of that. They want to have a new identity. They want to connect it with the saints of old. They want to connect it with somebody that they could live up to, that they could aspire to be like. That's why they're given a new name. We see in scriptures time and time again, God changing people's names. Remember Abram and Sarai? Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai, the impotent ones. That was the limiting label that they had. They couldn't have kids. They tried. They're 99 years old. Abram's 99 years old. The imp- Abram, the fatherless one. Sarai, the, the motherless one. God says, now I'm going to change your names to Abraham and to Sarah, 
because you will be the mother and father of nations. Whew! And they have a child. And God, from that child, has several children and more and more. And now we know, we see the results. Jacob, Jacob, the heel grabber. Jacob, the deceiver. Jacob, the liar. Jacob, the taker. Jacob, the, the one that's all about me. Jacob, who, who would do anything to get ahead and steal his brother's birthright and, and connive and contrive with his mother to take what isn't his. Jacob, the deceiver. God, he had a wrestling match with God before meeting up with his brother years later. And in that wrestling match, God ended it with saying, no longer are you Jacob, meaning deceiver, now your name will be Israel because you struggled with God and you overcame. Israel, wrestler. Jacob, the wrestler. <laughs> I like that. Israel, the wrestler. The wrestler with God. You know, that's what he was, a wrestler and struggler with God, but one who overcomes. Gideon. Gideon. I love the story of Gideon. If you know the story of Gideon in, in Judges chapter 5, 6, Gideon is you know, uh, oppressed, uh, one of the people that have inherited the promised land. Uh, the nations around them are stronger. The Amalekites, they're, they're, they're ready to pounce on them. They've overpowered them. They've, they, they have all the power. Gideon is just hiding out in a threshing floor. He wants to be able to, grain, you know, to grind enough wheat to feed his family because if he has to do it in secret because the, 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 the Amalekites, I believe it was, will take it away from them. So an angel appears to Gideon and he says, he says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon says, who, me? Who, me? I'm just a wuss. Gideon the wuss. Gideon, I'm from the weakest clan. My family's the weakest family in the clan and I'm the weakest in my family. I mean, that's really what he said. I am, I am just a wuss. I am that 120-pound weakling. I am that kid that looking for, you know, the ads in the magazine. That's who I am. That's not me. And God says, no, 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 you're a mighty warrior. And he lived up to that. He lived up to that. What is the label that you need to shed? What is, what is it that you need to leave here today Leave it at that room in the mills. When you walk out of there, that label no longer is you. What is it that you need to tear off and let God stamp a new label on top of you? God's labels. Forgiven, healed, overcomer, loved, transformed, loving spouse, spiritual leader, great mom, giver, generous, servant. What label do, does God want you to embrace? Because that's what God wants to do. And secondly, God, God, God is going to give you a new purpose. He's going to give you a new name. He's going to give you a new purpose. Remember Peter? He's out there fishing. Peter was pretty much an illiterate fisherman. He was an uneducated man. He was unstable. He was impulsive. We know Peter's personality from reading the stories in Scripture. And, and God... Jesus came along and, and said, you know, Simon, you are a fisherman, but I am going to make you a fisher of men. Follow me. Follow me. Later on, he said, who do people say that I am? And Peter gives a, gives a response. And then, and then Jesus says, this is who I say that you are. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is 
This was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, the, the impetuous one. Peter, the, the, the hothead. Peter, the angry one. Peter, the, the failure. Peter, who, who even after Jesus said that to him, Peter failed Jesus. Peter denied knowing Jesus when he was arrested. Peter fell. And then Peter said, oh, I got to go back to being a fisherman because I'm a failure at what God asked me to do. Even with the new label that he had, Peter fell short. But Jesus came and said, hey, Peter, do you still love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you still, Peter, do you still, yeah, feed my lambs. Peter, take care of them. Peter, you're the man. And Jesus ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit fell. And on that day of Pentecost, who was it that stood up when that crowd came around to see? What's going on with all these people speaking in our native languages who don't know our language? What is it? What's going on here? Peter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, got up and preached a profound message. 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus and were baptized that day. Peter became, he lived up, he grew into that message. A lot of us say, well, man, I hear what you're saying, pastor. I know the label that God wants for me, but I just don't feel it right now. I don't believe I can be that. Sometimes we just got to live up to that new name. That's why we need to embrace it because you've been living down to the old names for way too long. You've been living down to the labels that you've been carrying around for way too long and you need to embrace the new label that God has for you so that you can begin to live up to that. Live up to that. <clears throat> there are cultures where, where parents will, will, will believe the highest for their kids. So they're, you know, three-year-old kid, toddler running around. Neighbor lady, you know, meets the mother. Mother says, here, this is, you know, here's Jacob, the lawyer. <laughs> here's Susie, the doctor. Here's so-and-so. You know, so they put this label. They, and so the kids under maybe a lot of great pressure, you've got to live up to those labels, but isn't that far better than, you know, what a jerk. Here's my bratty kid. Here's my kid. He's just, a, you know. We need, to, we need to give that parents that's so critical that you're a part of that with your kids. Peter wasn't born a rock, but he lived up to that. And then when Peter was arrested and, and, and waiting to be martyred and they were going to crucify him like Jesus, Peter said, according to tradition, he said, no, 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 I'm unworthy to be crucified like my Lord, do it upside down. And they crucified him upside down. He died a rock, a rock. You think you're unworthy? Take that old label, give it to Christ. Because you see, with Peter, God did something, and with so many others, you see, God takes our weaknesses and, 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 and he turns them around into strengths. He turns them around into strengths. I talked to somebody recently. He said, you know, if it wasn't for all the stuff that I went through, all the addiction, all the stuff, I wouldn't have found Jesus. And, and I would never want to go back and repeat that. But it's there that I found Jesus. And he gave, helped, helps me and continues to help me live up to the things that he has for me. And he's changed me. And now I have a new life. And now my son has a new life has a new opportunity because he's a part of this church. Folks, do you see how a label can change your life, living up to what God has for you? I, I want to go further, but I, I really can't go much farther here. Let me just give you one more thing. God's going to give you a new purpose. 
God's going to give you a new future. One more verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, when God said that to the people of Israel, he said that when they were being carried off to exile. He told them that when they were being, when they were being decimated by the Babylonians. He said, you know what? I still believe God has a plan for you. And you're saying, right now, my life is desolate. Right now, my life is a mess. Right now, I cannot believe that. That's the thing I want you to see. God wants to give you a new future. That's the empowering belief that you can have. Right now does not have to define the, the end of the story for you. Where you find yourself right now is not the end of the story. It is one chapter in your story. But God has to, more chapters to write for you. Ruth, I mean, I'm sorry, Rahab, the prostitute. If you remember that story, I'm not going to go into detail. She was one of those ones. Rahab, the prostitute. Mentioned eight times in scripture, six times. Rahab, the prostitute. And, you know, she was the lowest of the lowest kind of prostitutes who was entertaining all the visitors that came in from her. She was... And, and yet she, her heart was melted by the stories of what God was doing whenever, whenever the people were coming in to Jericho. It's the story of Jericho. And she, she helped uh, save the spies that were there. God saved her. God preserved her. But I'm sure Rahab the prostitute could never believe that she could be loved by anybody for real, really love for, for who she was, not for what she did for them. And, and, and you know what? She ended up marrying a God-fearing man. And Rahab had a son. And that son had a son, and that son had a son, and a 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 son had a son. And one of those sons that came along was Jesus. In the lineage of Jesus, Rahab, the prostitute, is mentioned. Folks, you don't think God has a better future for you? I I want you to rewrite that script right now. Rewrite that story right now. The past does not have to define the future for you. God wants to give you a new future. Would you bow your heads with me, please? At the mills, would you bow your heads? Because I want to pray right now. And I, I just think that right now is a moment for us to meet with the Holy Spirit. What is that label you've been carrying around? What is it? Bill the failure. Bill the weakling. Bill the hothead. Bill the almost was. What what, what is it? What is it? State your name and put down those labels. And, And now I want you to say, but that's not me. I'm not that any longer. By the power of the grace of God that raised Jesus from the dead in the name of the one who knows me best and loves me most. I now renounce that old label. I am no longer that old person. Now I believe that Jesus is the one who defines me. I am now a child of God. I am now forgiven by God God knows everything and he loves me more than everybody else who's judging me and labeling me. But God says, you are redeemed. You are my child. You are the one that's the apple of my eye. I want you 
I have great dreams for you. You can, you can live for others. You can be a, have a great purpose. You can be that great mom, that great dad, that great spouse, that great student, that great child, that great friend. You can be that person that, that I believe that I created you to be. If you can believe it and embrace that new empowering belief for you, it will make all the difference. So right now, I just ask Jesus, rewire our brains. Rewire our beliefs. Help us to live up to the label that you have given us, the labels, those good things, that we might move forward. Lord, it's all you. To you be all the glory. For your purposes, we do it. We receive that right now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, I'm not the kind of person that likes to use the language, thus saith the Lord, and tell people, you know, like I'm the voice, you know, of God. But can I tell you that there are times when I preach and I feel more inspired than other times? I feel more anointed than other times? Not that you might have not felt it, but I want you to know that you need to receive that message. You need to receive that message. And, and if you have received it, can you just say right now, I receive it? Not for my sake, for your sake. Can you say, I receive that, Lord? I receive that. I receive that. Uh, you, I, you didn't sound convincing to me. <laughs> I think you need to keep saying that. I receive that. One more time together. I receive that. Yes. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.